Amen. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Philippians, Philippians chapter number four, and we're going to begin reading there in uh, in verse number ten. Philippians chapter number four, we'll begin reading in verse number ten. If you would stand together as we find our place here and stretch your legs, we'll be seated now for uh, the next half hour or so. Um, and so we're going to look here at these verses from beginning in chapter number uh, 4 and verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound and everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again to my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, an eternal investment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time together. Thank you for 47 years that our church has stood uh, here in this place, Lord, to attempt to be a light to a dark world. Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts now, that you'd open our hearts, that you'd help us to receive the truth of your word. May we be uh, encouraged, Lord, as we... Um, as we look at your word and ask you to examine our own hearts. Lord, I pray that you bless the activities of the day afterwards, that you'd help us to have a wonderful time uh, as your family, just to gather around the, the table. And Lord, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified by everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, there's a lot of times, this is a, a, a popular text. It's a text that uh, in particular, verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me is a verse that is often used as a life verse by a lot of people, especially young people. Uh, and that's a great life verse. It's a great, it's a great testimony to, to live by and a great way to approach life. Uh, and we love verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We uh, love those promises of God. Well, oftentimes we don't really understand them in their context. So I'm going to try to set that this morning. Uh, but many times this is a text that you'll hear maybe at a missions conference or a, uh, a, a, a time where it's more of a fundraising type of a thing or a preaching on giving. Uh, and that's really not my goal this morning. I think that that is definitely the example that the Apostle Paul gives here. But I believe that the principle is much broader and has a much greater application than that. You know, most of the time people go through lives and we, we use words that we've kind of been programmed to use. But in, then in using them, it begins to shape how we live. And, and what I mean by that is, is that how many times do we catch ourselves saying, well, I spent the day or this person spent their life or it's, it's, it's about spending. And I, I 
have kind of learned over the years that I need in my own heart and my own mind to push back against that mindset, against that thought process. I honestly, this morning, uh, I'm 52 years old. I, I've got some years ahead of me, Lord willing, but I don't have nearly as many as I once did, and I don't want to spend them. Uh, I, I want them to be invested. Uh, I want them to be used wisely for the glory of God and to fulfill what God has designed in my life to do for His glory. And so as we kind of look at this this morning, that's really the heart from which this is coming, is to help us to kind of grasp the concept of, hey, my life is a gift that God has given me. His salvation and eternal life is a gift that God has given me, and I don't want to spend it. When I spend something, it's just gone. My wife and I, every every two weeks, whenever we get paid, we try to slip out a little bit of money for spending money. That money's to just buy some little thing for around the house or to buy something for the grandkids or to pick up some little thing that we want. Sometimes she'll hoard it for a while until she gets enough to uh, go and get a new arrangement for over the fireplace or some kind of a thing like that. Uh, and and that, that money is just a small amount, but it's to spend. You could say it this way, it, it's in, in many times it's to waste. Because really whenever our mindset is, is that we are going to spend, what we in reality are doing is wasting. Now, I, you know, it's, it's not inappropriate to have some fun money or spending money or waste money to go and to just enjoy and have a good time. God wants us to enjoy our lives. I'm, I'm not advocating this morning that God put us here, saved us, called us, and then expects us uh, to live a life of misery and drudgery. I don't believe that at all. I believe that the Christian's life ought to be the most joy-filled life that there is. Uh, but there's also a distinction between what joy and happiness are. Uh, and so happiness is, is circumstance-driven. Uh, joy is relationship-driven. Uh, and so a Christian should have the joy of the Lord in their heart. And that's what the Apostle Paul is expressing here in this text. When he says, finally, brethren, in verse number 8 again, uh, I will back up just a little bit. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of all peace be with you. And so what he said, listen, we, every person has hardship in life. Every person goes through times of difficulty. The, the doctor's visits aren't always pleasant. We don't always get the news that we want to hear. Sometimes we have to go through things that can be painful. Uh, sometimes just the normal progression of life is painful. Uh, and so it's a, you know we've been uh, we've been with the you know kind of the empty nest mode, uh, but it's not really that much easier on the day that we put on Thursday when I we took Elena to the airport. It, it wasn't that much more easy than it was the first time that we took our oldest and dropped him off 1,600 miles away from home. It, it still leaves a big void. It still leaves a big hurt it still it still leaves it's a it's a hard 
but necessary thing in life. And it is uh, and it is of the Lord. So I'm not saying this morning that, hey, the Christian life is just all about, uh, you know, everything's easy and good. Sometimes life is hard by design. Sometimes things that if you if you have the right relationships with people and you love uh, the way that you should and God redirects their path, it's it's always hard to say goodbye. But yet at the same time, you rejoice that uh, that God's will is being fulfilled and carried out. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, we can think about and we can dwell on the lack that we have or the hardship that we have or the infirmities that we have or, or the, the, the wrongs real or perceived that have been done unto us. We can focus and we can dwell on those things or we can dwell on him. We can dwell on the good things that God has given us. We can rejoice in the good things that God has accomplished and the doors that God uh, opens for our life. And, uh, and the reality is, is that we live in a time uh, when, uh, when a lot of people are, are getting more investment oriented. And that's the way that we need to understand what God has done for us and given for us. First Thessalonians tells us that, he have been, that we have been entrusted with the gospel. The gospel has been put in a trust, and we are the stewards of that trust. That's an, an incredible and awesome responsibility that God has given to the church. And so I, I want to just kind of dwell on the Apostle Paul and his testimony, his instruction here, uh, because we have been entrusted with the gospel as a church. That's what we were supposed to be 47 years ago, and that's what we're supposed to be today, and that's what we should be 47 years from now. And so uh, we, we don't, there are a lot of things that over time and over the years may shift or change, or but, but the thing that should never change is the mission of the church to share the gospel and to live the gospel and to uh, to love and to live for the Lord and to please Him? It's been put in our trust, and so when we look at what the Lord has given us, and we can look at what God has done for us as as something that uh, is valuable that has impacted us in a great way, that we then in turn want to turn around and give back to. And I'm not, again, not just talking about financially. I'm talking about in a much more broad realm. I'm talking about uh, coming in on a day off and hanging lights and parking lot lights or uh, coming in on a day off and, and, and shampooing uh, carpet like Kevin's done a few times in the last couple of weeks or coming in uh, and, and mowing or building fences like Brother Harold's done or coming in and uh, decorating the fellowship hall for uh, for for a day like today like uh, Miss Rhonda and Miss Dinah did on yesterday and others that came and helped set tables up and get things ready and, uh, and carried out. I'm talking about all of those types of things as well we need uh, to be a people that have a, an understanding that I want to be investing in things that are important to the Lord investing in people's lives I, I can I can go through life and spend it or I can invest it now you say well pastor what's the difference it really a lot of the activity is the same it's just the mindset what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What is it that I'm uh, trying to, uh, to do for the Lord? You see, when I value what God has given me to do and I value my responsibility to invest in it, then it changes the way that I view things and the way that I handle things and the way that uh, I approach life. It, it affects the way that I sacrifice for 
God's work, whether it be of my time or whether it be of my finances. However God leads and guides in my life should be guided by I am investing in the work of God. Uh, whenever someone, uh, if you're new, whenever someone reaches out to you and they uh, they invite you out to a meal or they sit down and uh, and share things with you and try to help you along, what they're doing is they're making an investment in your life for the glory of God. That's what God's people are supposed to do. I look around the room this morning and I look at, uh, at, there are some people here because God gave Sonia and I the opportunity to invest. And there are others that God has given others of you the opportunity to invest. And there are a few that God has used multiple people within the church at different stages of the journey to make an investment in their life. I look at Miss Rebecca over here and her uh, children. They started probably about six years ago by the kids riding the van. Uh, and then they came her and Julio came to a, the, the last night of a vacation Bible school and then uh, they came to some church services and then they, uh, you know, she, Miss Rebecca kind of loses her mind sometimes and she was just out doing other things for a while. Uh, but now they're in and faithful and serving and have been through discipleship and have uh, have learned many things about the Word of God and, uh, and none of us are perfect but it's wonderful to see the grace of God because, uh, you know, the, the person that knocked on, uh, on their door and invited them to ride the bus isn't the same person that reached out to them and discipled them. And it's not the same person that uh, maybe helped meet a need somewhere along the line. It's not the same person that uh, invested in other areas of their life. It was a it was a church effort. It was many facets of the ministry here working together to reach an individual family. And I could kind of go uh, around the room tonight and speak to different ones and how God worked in hearts and how God stirred and how God moved. And the reason is because someone was willing to make an investment. Someone was willing to love. Someone was willing to sacrifice their time. Someone was willing to open their home. Someone was willing to, someone was willing to open their wallet to provide a meal or uh, to meet some other need. And what I'm trying to get across this morning is that those things that we do, whether it's participating in the offering, whether it's coming in and doing labor physically around the church house, uh, whether it's going to someone's home or place of employment or carrying, meeting a need or taking medicine or food uh, whenever, uh, whenever it's necessary or needed to help someone in times of need, that is not something that is costing us, that is an investment that we are making in the cause of Christ for the time and eternity uh, to glorify our God and Savior, investing in the lives of people. And what our ministry should be about, what my life should be about, what your life should be about, is about making investments that are eternal. We can spend our lives on things that do not matter. We can invest in things that will pass away. Or we can invest in the work of God. I, I want to be investing my life in God's people, in God's work. I want to be investing my life uh, in things that will pay uh, eternal dividends. And by the way, uh, an investment that bears no risk or loss uh, isn't going to pay much in the long run. So, well, Pastor, what if I make this investment in someone's life and nothing pans out? Well, you know, many times it won't, but that's between them and the Lord. Just invest. Uh, there are far many more people, uh, honestly, that I have uh, tried to help along the way 
uh, that got bent out of shape and somewhere along the line and, uh, and, and left or rejected the help or they, uh, they came and gave me the sob story and I kind of did what I could to try to help them in the moment and, uh, and, and, and they, nothing ever panned out. Then there are others that I thought, uh, you know, hey, I, I'm never going to see this person again uh, and yet here they still are. And sometimes it maybe was giving them a little bit of money to help buy some gas or providing a meal or, uh, or just a kind word or just listening to a problem or just spending some time praying for them. All of those things, I believe, are, are what God or what the Apostle Paul is laying out here. Here's the Apostle Paul. He is a man uh, who feels a great weight of responsibility. He, he says that in Romans chapter number 1, that he says, I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarian. He was a man who, and his, uh, in his not accepting Jesus as his Savior, was not a man who was unlearned in the Bible. He was not a man who was going out just trying to uh, do things to uh, be cruel for cruelty's sake. He believed that his persecution of the church was a service to his God until he met his God. And when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, his life changed forever. But he never escaped the feeling of responsibility because he had persecuted the God that he now served. And in so doing, he had taken lives and he had separated families and he had imprisoned people all in the name of service to God. And he said, I owe a debt. And I would say this morning that we all owe a debt. We owe a debt to somebody. I mean, obviously we owe a debt to the Lord, but uh, I owe a debt to people that God put in my path along life's journey to bring me to where I am at this moment of my life. There are critical times that I can look back at in my uh, in my teen years in particular where God brought just the right person in at just the right moment uh, to, to keep me enough on course so that when God softened my heart, I was in a position to be reached. And had even one of those people not been in the right place at the right time, investing, I'm not sure that I'd be standing here this morning. We don't know what our investments are going to accomplish always, but God is always using them for His glory. Now Paul says in verse number 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. In other words, you were careful. You were looking for an opportunity to be a blessing to me, the Apostle Paul says. And I had needs. And you, you, just, you didn't have the opportunity to do or to fulfill what you had a heart to do. Now, verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, that's a good statement, but when you understand where it's coming from, it's an incredibly powerful statement. Because the Apostle Paul is not a man uh, who lived a life of luxury. He had at times prospered and flourished and lived luxuriously. But he also had been times where he had been imprisoned or he had been beaten and he had been at times stoned and left for dead. Here is a man who, uh, when he first trusted Jesus as his Savior, uh, they wanted to kill him and they had to lower him over the wall out of, in a basket to help him escape from the city so that he could uh, survive and, and be developed and trained to do the things that God had for him uh, to do. 
And he's saying, hey, I'm in a place where I've got some needs and you've met the need, but I've learned to just be content with whatever God's given me. I've learned to be content with Jesus even when I'm in prison. I've learned to be content with Jesus even when I'm shipwrecked, and that happened to him more than once. I've learned to be content with the Lord even when I'm being whipped and beaten or persecuted. You know, many times when Paul would go from one city to the next to start a church, it wasn't the people in the new city that he was preaching to that raised up in revolt and caused things to seemingly unravel a lot of times it was the people from the last town that he was that found out where he was going and followed him there to cause problems but he just kept serving the lord and he had needs along the way and sometimes he had to stop and work a while uh, and make tents and do different things but he says listen i i have learned to be content he says in verse 12 i know how to be abased or to live in poverty in harsh conditions And I know how to abound or to live luxuriously. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In other words, whatever the gospel needs, God has taught me to be ready to embrace. If the gospel will be furthered by my sickness, by my imprisonment, by my suffering, then I will accept that and God will give me the strength to endure it as an investment for things eternal. I can do all things through Christ. I can be abased or I can abound. I can be in great fellowship and having great times of joy and happiness and and my, and my stomach full and my heart rejoicing or I can be shipwrecked and snake bit and all the other things that he endured. But whatever it is that God has chosen for me and whatever moment God has chosen for me to, to go through it in, whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's easy or whether it's hard, God has given me the strength to do what he's put in my path to do. And my friends, that is the context of the verse, and that's what God has called us to do. To walk with Him, to rejoice in Him, so that we can do what is necessary for the furtherance of the gospel. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's expensive or whether it's less so, whether it requires a great sacrifice of our time and energy, or whether it requires a great financial sacrifice, whatever it is that God puts in our heart to do for the furtherance of his gospel that is what he's saying here i can do all things circumstances matter not what god's called me to do i can do why how because he gave me the strength to do it he gives us the ability to do it now notice in verse number 14 that notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, no one was helping us to get where we needed to go, to eat, to do all that. You're the only church that reached out to us uh, to help. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And then we get into the nuts and bolts of things. And so I want to look at this morning just uh, just briefly. I want to share four thoughts with you uh, along these lines. And we start by what we see in verse number 10. Again, uh, where he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And now that at the last year care of me hath flourished again 
and so what I want you to see first of all this morning is the provision of the people. The provision of the people. God's people are who God used to make the provision for the ministry. Now again, uh, it certainly applies financially, but it applies in every other way. Do you realize that it takes the people of God coming together in prayer, coming together in labor, coming together in witness, coming together, whether it's canvassing or knocking on doors uh, or some other type of an event, type of an outreach that we go through or that we do. Uh, All of those things require us to make a sacrifice of some form either of our time or of ourself or to contribute to provide what's necessary there. The people were who God used to provide. Now, God gave it to the people. God gave, God made the provision, but the people had to, in faith, give back to what God put in their heart to give to. Three thoughts about this this morning, the provision of the people. First, uh, Paul was special to them. The Apostle Paul was special to them. He reached them. And I would say this morning this. I say, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, there are people in your life that should be special to you in your Christian faith. Don't forget them. Don't don't take for granted the sacrifice that they made to love you, to share their faith with you, to see you through hard times, to keep you encouraged when you were down. These people loved the Apostle Paul. These people sought opportunity to be a blessing. And I'm saying this morning that the greatest way to repay the investment that others have made in my life and in your life is to continue to invest in the lives of others that God brings across our path. So the question then this morning is, who am I investing in? In what am I investing my life? Am I investing my life in another person? Am I investing my life in some way? Am I investing in the work of God in multiple ways? Paul was special to them. Secondly, I would say that they were concerned about his welfare. Because he was special to them, they were concerned about his welfare. Whose welfare are we concerned about this morning? You know, it's not likely as a church grows and as God brings more people in that we're all going to always know what's going on in everybody's life. That's not, uh, you know, but that God doesn't need everybody in the church to run to the aid uh, of, uh, of one individual's problem all the time. Many times it just needs to be one or two that just make the difference. That's why the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and leads us and, and guides us. And we try to coordinate efforts and help in those areas. But the reality is, is that Paul was special to them and they were concerned about his welfare. Oh, pastor, Victory Baptist Church is special to me. Or pastor, brother so-and-so or uh, sister so-and-so is special to me. Really, are you concerned about the welfare? Have you prayed for them? Have you reached out to them? Have you, have you loved them? Have you, and are you willing to make a sacrifice for them? Are you willing to do what's necessary to give them every opportunity for God to work in their heart? Not everyone will accept that gift. Not everyone will let God work in their heart. Not everyone will be willing to accept the truth. Not everyone, uh, but we want to be giving opportunity to the best that we can. Who are we concerned about? They looked for ways to be a blessing. Are we looking for ways to be a blessing to God's people? Are we looking for ways to be a blessing to someone that we see that's in need? You know, there are 
all kinds of people and relationships that come together in a church. And some people, you know, I, that's one of the, the beautiful things about the church is that, you know, there are some people that will come in, Brother JP, that I'll never really connect with or relate to very well. We've, we may have a lot of things that are just, no, we may not have really any common ground. I, we can love each other. We can uh, we can support one another. We can try to be an encouragement to one another. But uh, but but we'll never really have that like really deep close. But then there are other people that you come in, and it's just like the day that you meet him, brother Wayne. It's like it's a long lost friend. It's somebody. It's almost like uh, a, a brother that that you just. It seems like you you've known him all your life. It's just a different connection. You know, God puts the church together like that on purpose. Because the person that, that doesn't relate to me or won't respond to me might respond to Brother Trevon. Now, the person that I could never reach, uh, Brother Buck might be the one that can go out and to be an encouragement and a blessing to them and to reach them. Now, the person that looks at the pastor and thinks, man, that guy's just a, he's just a big, tall, fat, bald, crazy man. But, but they love Brother Mike. That's God bringing everything together if we're willing to make investments, if we're willing to look for opportunities to serve, if we're willing to be in a position uh, where God uh, can, can use our lives to make investments in the lives of others. Secondly, this morning, first, we saw the provision of the people. Now I want to consider, secondly, the position of the preacher. And we've already looked at this a little bit, so we're not going to lag down here too long. But in verses 11 through 13, uh, again, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned and whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. He knows how to abase. He knows how to be abound. Uh, he, he can do all things through Christ, which strengthens him. Three thoughts about this. The position of the preacher. He was learning to be content. And in this case, I think it would probably be better said, he had learned to be content. Have I... Have you as a Christian learned to be content? Have I learned to be content with Jesus? You know, a lot of problems in my life are settled right there. When I learn to be content with my Savior, then then a whole lot of things that were a big deal to me before suddenly become far less important because he's the one that's important. His work is important. His people are important. I want to learn to be content. Every Christian should do this. Secondly, he had learned to be a base and to abound. He, he learned how to do those things. And here's this, this the one thing that I want to state about that. You know how he learned? He had to experience it. And he was willing to walk with the Lord and trust the Lord even when he was experiencing it. We have to be willing as God's people to accept every trial, challenge, opportunity that God brings in our life. Whether that challenge or trial is in, as a brother or sister in Christ, is the pastor, I, I, you know, if you're here long enough, I'll become a challenge and a trial to you. I won't always get everything right. I won't always say things in the best possible way. Uh, I won't always understand exactly uh, what someone's trying to communicate to me or I'll, I'll miss. I had a guy... Uh, one time he's uh, he was in our church in Arkansas and he uh, he had been in the Marine Corps too so when I got there he kind of felt like an, uh, he wanted kind of an instant connection and and I was during the time where we were just kind of walking around greeting everyone in the in in the in the service like we do here uh, this the, the auditorium there was a was was kind of long and narrow it wasn't I don't think the pews were even as long as this the auditorium probably seated about 150. 
Um, and so there was just two sections uh, and the, the, the walls to the, the, the end of the pew to the outside wall was a really narrow aisle. And there wasn't the aisle in the middle of between wasn't as big as this. It wasn't a lot more narrow, but it was a little more narrow than this. So I'm, I'm standing right here in front of the pulpit and I'm shaking hands with people who come down. Now I'm trying to get around and greet different people in the auditorium. And so he comes up and, uh, and, and I just, uh, just if I'm just telling you, if you tell me something that's important, in that time, I'm old enough that it's probably not going to stick. I may forget. I'll probably forget as much as I try to remember. So he comes and he tells me something about, well, uh, a surgery that he was going to have. And so uh, I said, that's great. I'll be praying for you. I prayed for him for a little bit. Uh, it was coming up in a few weeks. His normal cycle of church attendance was not every Sunday. It was pretty sporadic. And so, you know, I really get too awful concerned about him unless he missed the kind of the third Sunday. And then I knew, well, maybe something's going on with this guy. And so I'm standing out in the lobby. Now, our lobby there was really narrow. There were doors on either side uh, and a brick wall in the front. And uh, it was probably about this wide. And so I'm standing there. I see him coming in. I'm happy to see him. I'm there to greet him. I open the door for him. I try to do that if I'm standing by the door and I see someone coming. I try to open the door and greet him as they come in. And I open the door to greet him. And he started chewing me out before he even got in the door. I laid up at that VA hospital and I about died. And you didn't call. You didn't care. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, brother. I said, I can't be somewhere that I don't know to be. I told you. And I said, you didn't tell me. When did you tell me? Right up there standing in front of this thing. Uh, I, I apologized and apologized and apologized, but there was no making amends for that. I mean, we were done. He thought no one cared. He thought no one was willing to make an investment. Hey, I'd have been more than happy to go up. I, I uh, would have been happy to visit him, to care for him. A lot of times when folks were in that mode and he lived alone, we would uh, even take meals if we just... Uh, known uh, and so uh, you know it was just that that position at some point I'm gonna fail you as a pastor at some point I'm not going to live up to your expectation at, at some point other Christians are going to fail you is that really going to be the undoing of your faith in Christ listen people are just people and we do the best that we can to love one another. But the, the answer here is the position of the Christian, and in this case, the Apostle Paul, the preacher, is that he learned how to be a base and how to abound. And he learned that even when he was under attack, whether it be from uh, a brother or sister in Christ, or it be from an angry mob, or whether it be from a government official, uh, whether he was imprisoned or whatever he went through, that I am content in Jesus. There are a lot of things that are going to happen to us that we're going to fail each other in that we could get all bent out of shape about or we could just love Jesus together and we can forgive when we do one another wrong and we can grow together uh, because if you flee because of something like that, I promise you that if you go someplace else, it's going to happen to you there too. If there's people there, it's going to happen there because people are people. The Apostle Paul understood. He said, hey, uh, you know, the, 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 you have loved me and provided for me. I have loved you. I've learned to be content, and I want God to bless you. And that brings us to number three this morning, the process of their provision. 
the process of their provision. Verse number 16, for even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again to my necessity. Here's, here's just, just two thoughts about this real quickly this morning. They gave to meet his need. They gave to the need. And what we need to be as Christians is giving to the need. If the need is our time, we need to give to that need. If our need is love and compassion, we need to give to that need. If our need is providing finances to build a building or to repair something that's broken, then uh, and our church has done a phenomenal job of that. In the time that I've been here, I have been astounded at how God has provided through our church to meet the needs of things that come up and many times how God has provided ahead of time. I mean, just this summer, uh, when the major air conditioner to the auditorium went out right after the major air conditioner to the fellowship hall went out uh, or up in the kitchen area, those two things in conjunction together, and then one of the small ones on the auditorium breaking down twice during that same time, uh, it was far more money than I could have come in and said, hey, we've got this need and we've got to take an offering right now to pay. There's no way. We don't have wealthy people. But God had already provided it. God had already taken care of the need. And it's amazing to sit back and to see how God worked, how God worked during Harvey with no flood insurance and water up to the steps out in the lobby. And the only thing preserved is this section of the buildings right here. I'll never forget sitting in the lobby for three days pretty much while everybody else is is working and pulling sheetrock and I'm unable to even get off the phone. And trailer loads and truck loads of stuff lined the lobby in the back of the auditorium that people provided that came from many other states. And how churches from Arizona and California all the way up into Maine and other parts of New England that I had never heard of and had no clue who the pastor was are calling me and sending the money. We didn't have to borrow one penny to to repair this side of the building. We didn't have a penny of insurance for flood and we didn't spend, we didn't have to, I think at the end we had to raise just a little bit of money to finish out the back two rooms. Maybe about $3,000 or four. And we probably got, to Brother Mike's estimation, about a quarter of a million dollar remodel for 100000 or so. We had to endure the storm. We had to go through the pain of the ordeal, but look at the blessing. Look at how God provided. Look at the growth of faith. Look at the amazing God that we serve and how God instigated. And we could sit back and we say, how could God let us go through this? Or we can rejoice in God's provision and what God has done and how God has used it to bring the church together and to unite hearts. Listen, the process of the provision was that they gave to meet the need and they gave by design. They gave by design. They gave once and again. And listen, the the Christian life is not a one-time prospect. It is not a, okay, I made an investment in this family, and now they've gotten saved, they've gotten baptized, they're part of the church, they're actively serving the Lord. Okay, I can retire from the Christian life now. I can just show up on Sundays. My work is done. No. I love the story that, that Dr. Rasmussen, uh, and many of you know him. He's been here. Sonia and I have known him for 35 years probably. He's investing now in our children, investing in some of our church-owned people as they go to Bible college now. So all he's done his whole adult life is just work with young people in Bible colleges. 
And, and he, he, I remember one time, he's almost like a machine and that he's so regimented and disciplined in the things that he does. But I remember him telling me that he had, had this couple that he was investing in, Brother Wayne, and they, uh, they, they, he would have them over their house on Sunday after, after church for dinner often. They were in a Sunday school class. He took them through discipleship, and then uh, all of a sudden, the guy's gotten saved. He's gotten baptized. He's been through discipleship. He's in the church, and then, uh, and then Dr. Rasmussen moves on to somebody else that's new, someone else that he met in the community, someone else that he's trying to bring in. And this guy that he'd been investing in all this time comes and says, hey, Dr. R., he said, you... You haven't invited me to your house in a long time. And he said, well, listen, he called the man by name, and he said, because you should be inviting people to your house now. I, I reached out to you. I still love you. I'll still be there for you if you need me. I'll still encourage you along the way when I can. And if we're somewhere, have a, a minute to sit down and have a meal together. That's great. He said, but uh, I have this other person that God has put on my heart that I'm trying to bring through the same process that you've brought, that you've come through. You came through that process, not so that you could just be here and enjoy the fellowship of a church, but so that you could be active in sharing your faith and, and investing in the lives of others. That's, that's the whole point of everything that we do. That's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of the scripture. That's the whole point of the service and the visitation on Saturday and Sunday night and Wednesday night and discipleship and the fellowship after. Listen, what's it for? Is it a time of great fellowship? Yes. Is it a time to worship? Yes. But ultimately it is a time to see God change the lives of people. And when he's changed our lives, we have an obligation and a responsibility to invest our lives in the lives of others so that he can change their life. And what we see here in this is that investment, and they did it once and again. They didn't just give once. They didn't just invest in one person. They didn't just take one offering. They gave over and over and over again. And that's what we ought to be doing in our lives. Constantly, continually looking for someone's life to invest in. Lastly, this morning, we see the production of the provision. The production of the provision. And verses 17 through 19, not because I desire a gift. Paul says, this, is, this isn't because I want something from you. This is because I want you to have fruit that abounds. I want you to have God's rich blessing. I want you to have many converts. I want you to see many lives changed. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. In other words, you sacrificed and God was pleased. And because he was pleased, he gave power to do his work. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. In other words, when I am investing my life in the lives of others and I learn to do all things through Christ by his strength and I'm obedient to the things that God puts in my heart to do, whether it's giving of my time or my talent or my treasure, then God in turn will continue to meet my needs so that I can continue to repeat the process so that lives continue to be saved, to continue to be changed. Now, four thoughts about this very quickly. Number one, God wants you to have, and the Apostle Paul's goal for them is to have fruit that abounds to their account. 
to have fruit that abounds to their account. You realize this morning that you have an account in heaven. If you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have an account in heaven and God is an excellent accountant. When you invest, God never loses track of your investment. You might lose track. I might lose track. I might forget what someone's done for me. I might forget uh, a sacrifice someone made on my behalf. Uh, I, might, uh, I might forget something that I've done, and I often do forget things that I've done. I've many times had someone come and say, Pastor, remember when you did this or you said that? And I, Honestly, I don't. It's gone. It's just part of what we do. But God never forgets. And one of these days we're going to stand before God, and God's going to say, you may not even remember this, but here's this person that you invested in. And they didn't make a decision when you invested in them. But so many years down the road, someone else came and invested. And so many years after that, someone else came and invested. And because of all of that, that person gave their heart to Christ. And that person uh, got married to this person. And they had these children. And that children grew up to be Charles Spurgeon. Or that child grew up to be a D.O. Moody. Or that child grew up to be uh, one of the Wesleys that sparked a great revival. We don't know what God is going to do with the investments that we make, but we know that we can trust God to give fruit that will abound to our account if we're faithful to give. The production of the provision, he desired that they would have fruit that would abound to their account. The, the, the production was that it was a sacrifice that was acceptable an acceptable sacrifice. Hey, there are a lot of things that I could go and, and, and give someone, but if it's not acceptable to them, they were not going to value it. An acceptable sacrifice. A sacrifice that God finds acceptable. Not only that, but then God is pleased. What is the purpose of this? Is to please God. God is pleased with such a sacrifice. And then the continued provision, verse number 19. But my God shall supply all your need. Continually. God working. All I'm saying this morning is this. You can choose and I can choose to spend my life. You can choose to spend your life. You can choose to be maybe a little bit more investment-minded, but investing in the things of this world. Or we can invest in things that are of eternal value. And listen, I, again, I'm not against investing in retirement plans. I'm not, in, I'm not, I think that it's biblical and it's right and it's inappropriate uh, to lay up an inheritance for your children and to do all of those things as God provides. But the goal and the driving force of my life cannot be the love or the, the acclamation of things, accumulation of things, it has to be to serve the Lord. Amen. To invest. To invest in His work. Now understand, uh, sometimes we think about investing in God's work and, and we think about buildings and programs. But the reality is, is that the work of God is people. Building and programs are only a tool to people. It's about people. It's about souls. It's about where folks are going to spend eternity. It's about whether or not people are going to have God's blessing. It's about whether or not we're going to see another generation rise up that are passionate about seeking and serving their Savior. What are we investing in?
Can you honestly say this morning, Pastor, I have decided and I am actively pursuing, investing in God's people and God's work? Or would you have to be honest with yourself in the Lord and say, you know, my whole attitude and mentality has just been to just kind of spend. I just kind of go through the day doing what I do. I just kind of roll with the punches. I just kind of go with the flow. Don't go with the flow. The flow is going to lead you no place good. What's going to lead us someplace good is a mind and a heart that's walking with God, that's willing to make an investment in his people and in his work for eternity.